Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is September the 16th, and we are continuing our study through the book of Acts together. Uh, we have broken into Acts chapter number 19, uh, where we were at yesterday. We got down to about verse number 9. Uh, so today I just want to kind of Read a little bit for context, and then we'll pick up our study today. So, um, Acts chapter number 19, and um, we find Paul is in Ephesus now. Um, notice uh, <clears throat> chapter 19, verse 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was still in Corinth, remember we talked about him last time, uh, having passed through, and Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So um, we talked about last time that these guys had been baptized by John the Baptist, when John first came preaching repentance. Um, but after that, they were unaware, apparently, of who Jesus was. Uh, they were not aware of what happened at Pentecost. So, Paul, uh, realizing this, he asked them, obviously knowing that something was off, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, well, John's baptism. And then he said unto them, John barely baptized with water of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, and that is Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So um, again, they didn't have a clue about Jesus and his ministry. And so after they were baptized in the name of Jesus, Paul laid his hands upon them, and uh, of course he had that apostolic authority just as Peter and John had back in Acts chapter uh, number 8. So he laid hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake in tongues, and they prophesied. In other words, Pentecost, if you will, uh, was experienced by them, and all, and all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue, and he spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And, um, of course, we talked about how that, you know, Paul, as was his custom, always went into the synagogue to reason with the Jews. Uh, and he spoke for the space of three months, and he was disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of of God. Now, remember, this is the second time that Paul has been in Ephesus. Back in chapter number 18, he was there, and they wanted him to tarry a little longer, but he couldn't because he had to make the feast in Jerusalem. And we talked about the possibility that it was the result of the Nazarite vow that he had taken, and he needed to be there in Jerusalem to make the sacrifice. So he was in a hurry. He, he couldn't stay. But now he's back there for three months, and uh, he's disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, again, this cannot be taught today, not even to Jews, 
because the offer of the kingdom is no longer on the table. We in the body of Christ do not teach the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, matter of fact, the kingdom is really not about us. The kingdom is for the Jewish people. They are an earthly, physical people. We are a heavenly, spiritual people. Our promises are spiritual while theirs are physical. And then notice it says in verse number nine, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil that the way of the that way before the multitude, uh, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So as usual, some did not believe uh, and uh, they were hardened and they spake evil about what Paul was teaching. So Paul departed them, and he separated the disciples. In other words, he took with him those who were listening, who were willing to listen, and he continued to dispute daily with them in the school of one Tyrannus. And then notice in verse number 10, and this continued for the, by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. So he stayed there for over two years, and he taught the word of the Lord Jesus, and it says he taught it to both Jews and Greeks. Now again, it's, it's difficult to determine what Paul preached and to whom, um, because at this time, we know that there was a kingdom message and there was a grace message. There was a kingdom gospel that had been preached since John the Baptist, Jesus, and the Apostles. And there was the grace message that was given exclusively to Paul. Um, and we know this. I mean, go back to Acts 15 in the, in the Jerusalem Council. It was all about them taking kingdom message to the circumcised, while Paul and Barnabas took the grace message to the, the uncircumcised. Um, but, it again, it's difficult to determine sometimes about what is being preached because Paul preached both. And there's dispute, I mean, among mid-Acts dispensationalists as to what exactly Paul preached and to whom. But I, I think it's pretty obvious that Paul continued to preach both even after he had received the revelation of the mystery. Now, some will disagree with that, and that's fine. You know, they can get their own podcast and discuss that. But um, to me, it's, it seems that Paul, when he went to the synagogues, he was reasoning and disputing with the Jews why the Christ must needs suffer. He was sharing with them Jesus um, and why. Because understand, the Jews still didn't understand why Christ had to die. <clears throat> Even people in the church today don't understand why Christ had to die. For years, I taught, <clears throat> and I was taught and taught, that Christ came um, the kingdom offer was, you know, rejected. I don't know anybody that doesn't believe that a kingdom off kingdom offer was made. Where the disagreement comes in is the crucifixion, because many will say the crucifixion was the rejection. While the crucifixion was not the rejection, not the official rejection, the crucifixion was necessary. It had to ha happen before the offer could be made. So the offer had to have been made after the death, burial, and the resurrection. 
And the person that made that offer was Peter. Peter was the one given the keys. Peter was the spokesman. Peter made that offer at Pentecost. And that's where, that's what separates dispensationalists. Uh, the average run-of-the-mill dispensationalist will say Pentecost was the birth of the church, the body of Christ, while the mid-Acts dispensationalists like myself would say, no, that wasn't the birth of the body of Christ at all. That was the official kingdom offer. I mean, Peter said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Joel's prophecy had nothing to do with Gentiles. Joel's prophecy of Pentecost was the signs that would accompany the kingdom. Um, so, and the kingdom is for um, the Jew. It's for the nation of Israel. It's not for the body of Christ, let alone the Gentile. Um, so again, um, however we look, as we look through this, this chapter, it, it seems um, that at this point at least, Paul is definitely teaching a kingdom gospel here in Ephesus. Um, Randy White points out a few things. First, he says clearly that he was teaching the gospel, the kingdom of God. Back in verse 8, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Um, nowhere do we see that that message changed once he walked outside of that synagogue. Um, it would require an assumption on our part. Uh, that Paul, when he walked outside the synagogue, switched over to the grace gospel. The text just doesn't say if he switched over to the grace gospel. We know that in the synagogue, he was clearly teaching things concerning the kingdom of God, which is, a, which is the Jewish kingdom gospel. Uh, a second proof from the text is that he was performing miracles, which is always associated with the kingdom, not the grace gospel. So he was still performing uh, miracles, um, which, again, were, were accompanied by the message of the kingdom gospel. Uh, so, again, it, it appears that he's teaching the kingdom gospel. And then the third thing is those who responded. Notice how they responded. They confessed and showed their deeds, which is consistent with a kingdom message. And understand, the kingdom gospel was a works gospel. It was a gospel that was presented under the law. Um, so with this in mind, we'd be hard-pressed to conclude that Paul preached anything other than a kingdom message to the Ephesians. Now, again, that's not to say that he didn't preach the other. It's just that the text does not support that. We can't derive, we can't pull that from uh, Acts chapter number 19. Um, Gentiles were present. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, it says Jews and Greeks, and those Greeks are Hellene, which is non-Jews. Um, obviously, those Gentiles were interested, just as previously, every synagogue Paul has gone into, that I can remember there were Gentiles there, uh, either proselytized Gentiles, which means they'd already converted over to Judaism, or they were just curious, and they were looking into the things of Judaism. And 
it's apparent they accepted the message. Um, but again, we see no indicator from the text that he went into a grace message with them. We just don't see that. Um, so we have to assume that during this unique time of overlap, that both were effectual. Now, when I say that, what I mean is both of them were being preached because you had the 12 still preaching the kingdom message. And I challenge you to read in the Hebrew epistles, Hebrews through Revelation, where they ever changed that message. They never changed that message. Peter never preached a grace message. James and John never preached a grace message. They continued to preach the coming kingdom. Because understand, again, just for a little bit of review, in the minds of the apostles, Christ came, he was crucified. Peter, he rose again from the dead. There was a 40-day seminar that went on between Christ's resurrection and his ascension where he brought the 12 up to speed as to what had just happened and why he needed to be crucified so that the kingdom could legitimately be offered. Peter made that offer in Acts chapter number 2. Stephen talked about that offer, and it was rejected. But understand, in the minds of the apostles, the hope was that that offer would be accepted and that the nation of Israel would indeed repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit, at which point Daniel's 70th week would have rolled right in, followed by the second coming of Christ and the establishment of the kingdom, and God would use the Jewish nation to reach the Gentiles. That was the plan. That is the prophetical plan that is laid out in the Old Testament. And that is what Peter and the others believed was going to happen. Now, we know that there was a turning point when Stephen was stoned. The, the nation of Israel was beginning to reject that offer. And bear in mind, it was not an individual offer. It was a collective offer. The nation of Israel had to receive it. It was not an individual salvation like the gospel of grace is today. It was a collective offer that the nation had to accept. And they didn't. So God raised up Paul in Acts chapter number 9. And I believe, of course, you know, God was saying, I'm going to send this guy to the Gentiles. God was already, God already knew, of course he knew, <laughs> that the nation was going to reject this offer. And he was going to raise up someone to take the grace gospel, not the same kingdom gospel, to the Gentiles. He was going to do through Paul what the nation of Israel refused to do, which was to take the, the grace gospel, to take... Um, salvation to the Gentiles. That was the plan. So you have this time, this unique period in history where there is an overlap, where the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel are being preached at the same time. While the 12 only preached one, Paul preached both. Paul was saved under the kingdom um under the kingdom gospel in Acts chapter number nine, and later was the first one to be converted into the body of Christ 
and began to preach the grace gospel. But Paul, and again, that is where we get the confusion comes in, where and when, you know. It seems that Paul was still preaching. He was not mixing them. They were separate. They continue to be separate to this day. We no longer preach a kingdom gospel. Once the nation of Israel was destroyed, once the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, I mean, the kingdom offer was officially off the table. Once Paul, as we're going to see through the book of Acts, made his way to Rome and began to pen these prison epistles as he continued to receive revelation from the Lord, the kingdom offer was gone. Uh, We do not preach the kingdom today. At least we shouldn't. Unfortunately, we do. We mix them together, unfortunately. So there was a unique time of overlap where both were effectual. Uh, Randy also offers some possible scenarios. First, Paul only preached the kingdom message here in Ephesus, and later Timothy continued to share the grace message, because we'll remember here that Paul wrote to Timothy, who was in Ephesus, for his first letter. You remember 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 3, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my son in the faith, grace and mercy, as I besought thee still to abide at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia. So um, maybe Paul preached the kingdom message, his time in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a predominantly Jewish community. You remember John, um, the beloved disciple. Uh, John, uh, his last days were in Ephesus. He supposedly pastored there in Ephesus. Um, So maybe Paul preached the kingdom message and allowed Timothy to follow up with the grace one. Um, Second, Paul did Some would say did preach both messages, but only the kingdom is emphasized in the text. We just don't know. We can't, I can't, we can't pull anything out of there that's not there. Of course, today, most mix the two anyway, and naturally see no point to the discussion that we're having right now. So the average uh, Christian has no idea what I'm talking about right now. Uh, They do not differentiate between the two, and that's quite sad because they are are obviously very different, uh, the kingdom message and the grace message. And I know for a lot of you, it's the first time you've ever heard this uh, because it is simply uh, not taught. Um, All right, it's 6.52. I got a, a lot there, but the next verses, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Again, Paul is performing these miracles that are normally associated uh, with the sign gifts, associated with the offer of the kingdom, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs of aprons and diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Again, these verses seem to indicate a kingdom message. And, of course, the signs were so that the Jews would believe. That was the whole purpose of the sign gifts. And that's why if the Jews rejected the sign gifts, if the kingdom never came, 
then there would be no need for the sign gifts that pointed to the coming kingdom. And, you know, that, that, that's going to make you question a lot of your theology, especially if you fall on the charismatic Pentecostal side of things. Because you're building, you are, you have built, your denomination has built its entire um, theology around Acts chapter number two and what supposedly happened there. Uh, the sign gifts, you know, in First uh, Corinthians, for the Jews require a sign. It doesn't say the Gentiles require a sign. You're a Gentile, I'm a Gentile. So God gave them sign gifts. Signs of what? Sign that the kingdom was, was being offered. Well, if the kingdom was rejected, what happened to the sign gifts? Well, there you have the division. Um, those who say the, the sign gifts were to accompany the kingdom, the kingdom was rejected, the sign gifts left. Um, those who believe that, you know, we're in this spiritual kingdom today uh, will say the sign gifts are still very much there, and Joel 2, 28 through 30 is for us. Well, I reject that. I categorically reject that. Um, what's interesting, and I'll make one last comment here, it's obvious that later on Paul did not have the ability to perform miracles. Um, they were temporary. Why? Because they were part of the kingdom message. They were part of the kingdom message. We do know that Paul was able to perform them is at least up until Acts 28, uh, when he was on his way home from to Rome, or when he was on his way to Rome, and he was shipwrecked in Melita, and he healed Publius, Publius's father and many of the islanders, and he himself was bit by a snake, and it caused him no harm. So we know that Paul was able to continue to perform these miracles all the way up until Acts 28. Um, but something happened because we see no miracles after Paul had arrived in Rome and penned his prison epistles uh, to the body of Christ. There's no miracles. Interestingly, on the same island that Paul was not able to heal Trophimus later. And you'll remember that on the island of Malta in Miletus, he healed Publius and the others and was bit by the snake. But years later, he could not heal Trophimus. Um, and notice in Second Timothy 4.20, Erastus boat at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletium, at Miletum sick. So, <clears throat> I am of the opinion now, haven't always been, that the sign gifts associated with the kingdom message ceased with the rejection of the kingdom. And these gifts will not come back until Daniel's 70th week begins. Of course, the church will be raptured out <laughs> when that happens. Um, so, We'll keep going tomorrow. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Uh, and uh, remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.